following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. On today's episode, Andrew and I close the door on our USFL month with a spotlight of Doug Williams, the eventual first black QB to win the Super Bowl. Coming from humble beginnings in the USFL, he fought hard to make it to the NFL and cement his legacy. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Matt Johnson, and this is the Two Point Conversation. All right, Andrew, we got through it. The month is almost over. We're almost in May, the best month of the year. because It's my birthday. Um, that means I get a, I don't know if I'm going to take you, a week off. Are you taking the week? No, I don't know. No, our free, oh. I'll take the day. I'll probably take my like Friday night to Sunday morning off of social media because I hate happy birthdays. So oh, I'm going to send you 10. Whatever you're fine. You know, 24 hours. You actually deserve to. I'm so oh. jaded about birthdays because there's there's people who just I'm gonna get my I'm gonna get on my soapbox right now. Okay. Get it. Get <laughs> there's just there. like Why there's not? so many people who just like don't bother with you for the other 364 days of the year that are just like, hey Matt, hope you have a great day. Or they talk shit about you and they're like, Hey, happy birthday, dude. It's like fuck off. Save you, shove your happy birthdays up your ass. I only want happy birthdays from people. Who give a shit the other 364 days a year is that too much to ask for i don't think so no i, I think it's i think it's fair i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest i don't know the exact day of your birthday i just know it's may yeah and i know that's when you normally take a week off because i have enough time trying to remember my kids birthdays than anything else because there's times where people are like okay um what's your birthday and i will recite one of my kids birthdays and i'm and they're like really you were born in that year i'm like oh yeah no no okay uh yeah all right and i'm like so to remember somebody's birthday it's gotta it's gotta correlate with somebody else's birthday that i could already remember and you're like in that weird area of my family of may where there's only one other person that has it and i'm not exactly sure it's my cousin's birthday in may Right. I think I have two cousins to me. I don't know. I have another cousin that people keep on telling me he was born in May, but I, I swear that kid was born in like June, but whatever. <laughs> I know when he was born. So that's all that matters. Yeah, but I don't know. You're right, though. You're right, though, about the whole Facebook birthday thing. It's 
you don't it's i mean it's everybody like even some of my family like forgets my birthday like that day if i take it away from, like if i take away facebook like not like my immediate family but like uncles and aunts who have been like grown up like really close to and it completely escapes them and that's like that's my favorite part that's my favorite gotcha bitch moment is <laughs> is that like it's it's i don't know i don't know why i'm like cheer, like rooting for it but i always like to find like i don't know I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I'm petty. I guess I'm really petty. It, it's not petty. I think it's just looking for something in life. <laughs> yeah, probably. I, I, I do that. I used to get bored when my kids were little and they wake up as babies and I would try and like find a pattern of when they were going to wake up so I could beat them to it. So, I, and why did I do that? I have no idea, but it. it was just something to do. There's nothing wrong. You're fine. I, I don't Yeah. I don't, I want, cause that's usually like the one I do need that week usually, but last year it fell apart like immediately. Like I took, I tried to take the week off and I think I was doing episodes by Tuesday. Like I had Monday, I took Monday, like maybe I think you and I pre-recorded. Yeah. I, I had the Monday episode off cause Brian stepped up and then I think I needed to do a list episode and shit just was not happening so i had to step up and come do episode i was like fuck it i'll just finish off the rest of the week so that's that's what happened yeah if i'm doing an episode with brian on monday there's you're definitely off (laughs) at least i'll get i i know for a fact i mean i I think we got it pretty spread out now where i can't actually take a monday but it would mess up retro fantasy game i don't know we'll see we'll see yeah that's that's the only thing now. that could also be pre-recorded too that can be so, there's a lot there's we'll a see lot. we'll see anyways enough about that i'm sure these listeners don't give a shit about my birthday because all i, I am is do. all i am is a piece of meat to them all i do is put out episodes and they like or dislike it it's all i am well doug williams birthday was is august 9th 1955 so that, that's cool. That's you got to work on your transitions, but all right. I'm I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> no, that wasn't bad. That was that was all yeah. right. It was all right. It was a good way. It was decent. It was decent. I'll give it like three out of five. I think my transitions are to the point now where it's just a better way of just saying, okay, let's just talk about this. <laughs> uh, but yes, he was born August 9th, 1955, in Zachary, Louisiana. Uh he was a standout football player there and everything else growing up in the deep South at that time was a very conflicting area of the United States. Um, one of the crazy things that doing research on, he talks about if LSU and old miss were playing each other in Louisiana that, and you were black, you did not go into the street. Really? You just did not go out. So, yeah, I couldn't imagine like I mean that growing up at that time, 1955, you're at the height of the civil rights movement, you know, or we're at least getting pretty close to that point. And you know, I'm not saying that all of the South is, but historically, it's we'll call it, you know, it, it very uh, it's a hotbed of contention. We'll 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 say that. Um, and yeah, you're you're growing up in the you're you're a young teen, you're a young adult, and just because like the Civil Rights Act gets passed doesn't mean it's all over. Uh, it's it's a tough time to grow up. That's a very tough time to be brought up. Um, but tough times make tough people, and I think that's the spirit of this Doug Williams episode where we're about to unload on everybody. I think that's the spirit of it. Is this dude's tough? He's resilient and he's cool, man. I'm 
I, I was excited when you when you reminded me the second time that we were doing this episode. It's a, such a great story. It uh, is. He did attend Grambling State University, coached under probably the most underrated coach in all of sports, Eddie Robinson. Oh, I thought Eddie. you were going to say uh, Wayne Fonts. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> he's kind of like a guilty pleasure coach for me. I'm not going to lie, Mr. Wayne Fonts. But uh, the way that he ended up going to Grambling State is he was high school standout. Eddie Robinson uh, called his house. Mother picked up the phone and his mother said, uh, Doug, you're going to Grambling. And he said, what? Well, what do you mean I'm going to Grambling? And she goes, that was Coach Robinson on the phone. And he promised me that every Sunday you were going to go to church. You were going to be looked after. And he was going to make sure that you were good. So you're going to Grambling. So ultimately, his mother chose him to go to Grambling State University, which is an historically black college. Because once again, this is in the era where the black quarterback was looked at, didn't have the mental ability to play quarterback, even middle linebacker. There was just certain positions black athletes did not play. Right. And yeah. I first- mean, you see it now. I, I mean, Lamar Jackson's the biggest, like the most recent thing mm-hmm. trying to get him to, you know, not that people said he should be a role. Actually, no, some analyst, yeah. some people that actually get paid to talk football were like, Hey, he should just be a running back or he should be a wide receiver or whatever. And there's still some fans who still like just, have beaten that dead horse to the ground uh just just or beat it to the to a pulp that that thing and you know like there's been so many like great black quarterbacks but this the perception is always like it's always going to be there it's always going to be and listen i'm not one person who, who jumps to oh racism racism all the time when it comes to stuff like this but um it's true the stereotype is really it's it's still there it's still there especially as we move into this more mobile era of qbs oh yeah in his first two seasons, uh, he played with Sammy White of the Minnesota Vikings. Williams guided the Tigers to a 36-7 and record as a four-year starter and left and led the Tigers to the SWAC. Oh, no, it wasn't the SWAC back then. Oh, yeah, it was the SWAC. Yeah, it still is. The Southwestern Athletic Conference. I love the SWAC. Championship. Williams was named Black College Player of the Year twice, and in 1977 led the NCAA in seven categories, including total yards from scrimmage with 3,249, passing for 3,286, 38 touchdown passes, and averaging 8.6 yards per play. He finished fourth in the Heisman voting behind Earl Campbell, Terry Miller, and Ken McAfee. McAfee, you know what else is McAfee good? McAfee, that's a good name because it also protects your computer from viruses. I love <laughs> McAfee security software. Uh, William Grambly, Williams graduated from Grambling with a bachelor's degree and began to work on his master's degree right before the 1978 draft. And at this point of the draft, John McKay hears about the head coach of the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, John McKay. Here's about Doug Williams, and he sends his offensive guy down there to go check him out. A guy by the name of Joe Gibbs. Don't know if you've heard of him. Eh. He's a pretty smart guy. So, he, you know, he sends him down there. He works him out and everything. And Gibbs actually rated him as the best quarterback in the draft and writing a scouting report as this. Douglas is a natural leader with 
confident and commanding presence. Very well coached by Eddie Robinson, knows the game and has a real desire to learn more. Just has what it takes for guys to want to follow him. Ideal composure for a quarterback, has a big time arm with perfect passing mechanics head to toe. Back foot is consistent and perpendicular to hips on every throw with a fluid release. Mistakes or makes, I'm sorry, makes all the throws. It can really throw deep with touch and accuracy. Was a pitching prospect. He is, has a very rare arm strength and overall talent. So that's just a little bit of what he's talking about. He also talks about how he has great, you know, classroom presence and everything else. And he's very studious. So going against the grain of what stereotypical quarterbacks were at that point. So the 78 draft, they end up taking him. 17th overall because they ended up trading their first overall pick to the Houston Oilers. So they moved back and that was just pretty big to take a black quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft. His first preseason game, he had a 75 pass, a 75 yard incompletion that sailed 10 yards past the wide receiver and drew a standing ovation from the crowd because also, once again, he goes from Louisiana to Tampa, Florida, which he also got many, 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 many letters of hate mail. He said it got to the point where if he got a piece of mail with no return address, he just threw it out. Yeah. Because he knew he knew what it was. Right. But in 1979 against the game against the Chicago Bears, Williams and Vince Evans made history by by becoming the first. This is the first ever NFL game that had both teams had black quarterbacks starting. And also in 79, this is where he led the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the 1979 NFC championship game, which was huge because just three years prior they're they're in the league, you know, 70, 76, 78, or I'm sorry, 76 and 77 were just absolutely terrible for the box. Just, just bad. And now all of a sudden, is that when they won the 20 or they they lost the 23 straight? Yeah. Okay. First two years. Yeah. The first two years. So he takes them there and then, you know, contract dispute gets put into play here. And Williams was only paid $120,000. Yeah. $120,000 a year, which was the lowest for the starting quarterback in the league at that time. And he was, there's 28 teams. And with that number, he was the 54th highest paid quarterback. It's out of 2018. And this guy just took you to a national championship game. So there there's a lot of other players after the 82 season williams asked for six hundred thousand dollars bucks owner hugh coverhouse the notorious cheapskate refused to bud on budge on his initial offer of four hundred thousand dollars a year despite protests from john mckay and the head coach john mckay and he said i'm done i'm out i'm not gonna do this which i don't blame him i mean jesus christ two hundred thousand dollars you know especially considering the timing of this his wife just pat Doug Williams' wife just passed away, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she, she died of a brain aneurysm. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like, come on. And they would not go back to the postseason. They didn't go back to the postseason again, I think, until after he died. Uh, 97 was their first time. Yeah. So kind of a little bit of a curse. You're kind of like back curse of Doug Williams. In, yeah. Yeah. You're backing your team into a hole. Which is fair. But the, I mean, this is why Tampa Bay has. Um, stunk historically for a very very long time um you know they just just weird bit i mean just bad 
business decisions usually yeah, usually well, it was all under Hugh Coverhouse. I mean, they got Steve Young trading him away because they didn't feel he could play because nobody puts anything around him. They drafted Bo Jackson. They screwed up Bo Jackson's college eligibility to play baseball. So he was like, guess what? I'm not going to play with for the Bucks. You can draft me. I'm not going to do it. And then they still end up drafting him and he just refuses to play and the Raiders pick him up in the seventh round. Hugh Coverhouse was not a very smart man when it came to things. No, clearly not. So he ended up sitting the whole entire 1983 season. And then this is where he goes into the USFL, uh, gets picked up by the Oklahoma Outlaws, which later on became the Arizona Outlaws. And he, you know, showcased some skill, showing that he could still play. And then after the USFL, this guy named Joe Theismann gets injured and the and Washington needs, needs just a backup quarterback because they got Jay Schrader. And so... Joe Gibbs calls good old Doug Williams, and he knew it was Joe Gibbs on the phone because Joe Gibbs is the only person that called him Douglas, he said. Right. And you know, he said, Bobby Bethler wants to know if you want to come and play. And he said, yeah, I want to come and play. I don't have a job right now. <laughs> so that's how he ended up in Washington, just because of that. And it was not meant to be a quarterback controversy, but it did. These two, probably not one of the biggest quarterback controversies in NFL history, you know, competition or anything like that is I could, you could generally see like listening to him in an interview. These two did not get along. Like you could, we talked about Steve Young and Joe Montana, where the media seemed to make that play out a little bit bigger. Same thing with Brady and Bloodsoe kind of made that to be out a little bit bigger, but listening to Doug Williams, he was a very happy guy throughout this whole entire interview that i was watching and then all of a sudden he you know talked about jay schrader and the only thing he said about him was jay was a different type of guy must be the name must be the name jay i see. don't go there don't go there <laughs> <laughs> i've already been fired like 10 times i might as well just keep on going <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of the contention was in one of the games jay schrader looked like he was hurt uh shoulder injury in the 86 i do believe and Doug Williams got sent out there and Schrader waved him off. So that was kind of like the big contention between them two. That'll do. I mean, I guess it's, uh, that could have been something that occurred um, pretty normally, right? That could have, you know, I guess in any NFL quarterback controversy, because you don't want to give up your job, mm -hmm. you know, we, we see that all the time. I mean, Peyton Manning, that remember when Peyton Manning waved off Brock Osweiler? Yeah, but that's, I think in some way it's a little bit different. You think so? Yeah, because who who is Jay Schrader at this point? Well, he's trying to be somebody, possibly. Yeah, and he never was. But but um, <laughs> touche. That is that is true. So uh, that's it. Then we get into 1987. Quarterback controversy continues, and finally, at the last game of the year, Doug Williams comes in leads the team to a win and Joe Gibbs makes the stunning call that uh, they're going to start Doug Williams over Jay Schrader in the playoffs. And he goes on to have an amazing, you know, quarterback run. They do very well in the playoffs ended up beating the bears 21 to 17. They win in the conference championship game against Minnesota 17 to 10. And then you get into the super bowl where you're going into the Super Bowl. I do believe this is the drive year. Yeah, this is the drive. Oh, the year that Denver came back on uh, Cleveland? Yeah. 
Uh, oh, they stopped Cleveland? Yeah. Yeah, this is the drive. I had to make sure it wasn't the drive or the fumble. So everybody's talking about John Elway. John Elway is the big thing. Oh, no, this is the this is the fumble. Who did they beat in 86 to go? Who? Washington? No, they, they, they went. Oh, let me just make sure. Yeah, I think this is the fumble. Okay. I think this is, well, it's one of them. It was a bad beat. <laughs> or either one of them. But everybody's talking about John Elway once again. How great he is. They're talking about the Elway cross. Because that he throws the ball so hard. Is this his third? This is always third Super Bowl, I think, at this point, too, right? This is his second. It's his second one. Yep. Okay. This is the Broncos back to back Super Bowls. How many did he go to? He went to, was it four or five? Five. He went to five. Oh, so they went 89. They went 89 and got beat up by uh, 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. Destroyed, dismantled. So everybody is talking about. You know, John Elway, how great he is. But, you know, the Washington is feeling good because they got Mr. Williams. It doesn't look good in this game as Denver takes a 10 nothing lead in the first quarter. Williams at one point looked like he's hurt, but he stays in the game. And he probably has the best second quarter any quarterback could ever ask for. The Reds, oh, crap, I said it. Washington <laughs> scores... 35 points in just the second quarter, leading off with an 80-yard touchdown pass to Ricky Sanders, then a 27-yard touchdown pass to Gary Clark, a 58-yard touchdown run to Timmy Smith, and then another 50-yard touchdown pass to Ricky Sanders and an 8-yard touchdown pass to retro fantasy man Clint Diddler. I do. Yes, we did draft him at one point. He's my favorite. So he he goes he goes off, and not only is he the first black quarterback to start a Super Bowl, but this also makes him the first black quarterback to win the Super Bowl MVP. And also in the Super Bowl, he gets asked the famous question of all time: How long have you been a black quarterback? And supposedly his his answer was: I've been a quarterback, an NFL quarterback for ten years, and I've been black all my life. So there you go. What a bad question. What a terrible, terrible. Who gives these people credentials? But that is, I mean, with the gist of things, this is pretty much Doug Williams' last hurrah. He kind of falls into more of a backup role once again. He loses his starting job to the younger Mark Rippon. And since then, he has made, become Grambling's head football coach twice worked with the Redskins or damn it. I did it again. Worked with the Washington commanders and football team, you know, player personnel, general manager wise, just really staying around the game. And it's, and it's cool that the Buccaneers, you know, brought him into that thing in 2004, becoming a, becoming a personnel executive and, you know, working them, through that as well, that maybe the Glazers realized that Coverhouse screwed him over and they could have been in much better shape. But he's been a coach. He's been everything. And he's just kind of stayed around the game. Uh, I saw that his son, Doug Williams Jr. is even a coach now. So that's huge as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, despite Washington and how poorly managed and run that office is, that team, the entire franchise. It is nice to see. I think the Doug Williams thing is one of the best uh, 
aspects of that. They did keep him employed and they did give him plenty of opportunities to, to find success. It is weird how quietly under the radar it went. And I know a lot of former players when they get executive jobs, you know, it's not that they don't make a, a, a really big stink about it, but, uh, but it's, it's neat because Doug Williams, you know, it seemingly just kind of faded into obscurity, but in at the same time, he, you know, us since he's been around football, he never really truly left maybe a year here, a couple years there, but he's really never left professional football and being associated with it. And it's, it's cool that he hasn't gone to really any other teams. He's just kind of stayed with the teams that he knew with, with Tampa, Washington, going to Grambling and, you know, trying to take over the legacy of the great Eddie Robinson. Right. And to see that nothing really ever got him, nothing ever really got him down. Like I never heard once about him really quitting other than the contract dispute, which I don't blame him. I don't believe like his wife passes away from a brain aneurysm three months after they just had a, had a child he's, and he's always just found the next opportunity and has just taken a hold of it and become better and better. Yeah. Great story. Great life story. I do. I, I, I would love to find a, uh, a Jersey with him. I know, I know we're, uh, um, you know, we're getting a Lawrence Taylor jersey and stuff, but I would I would love to hang up a Doug Williams jersey on on my wall at the studio space. Like that, I mean, I'd take any jersey, but Doug Williams has a really cool, just a really cool, you know, life story. Overcame a lot. Um, you know, he's one of those you know, really famous stories that never quite made it into the Hall of Fame, obviously, but is always constantly acknowledged. There's, you know there's a decent size grouping of, of people like that, but, uh, but it is a important moment in NFL history. Um, you know, everything he accomplished with Washington, uh, despite being turned away, you know, everything kind of going happened the way it did with Tampa Bay and, you know, the USFL closing, it was, uh, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice story. You know, it's a, it's a really great story, especially again, knowing the history of Washington and, uh, you know, where, where oh, that, history. where their interesting history, especially where that franchise is at today. It's probably one of the most disgustingly run franchises its whole entire career overall, except for probably the, I haven't heard anything crazy about the. Uh, I know, think it's pre, pre-dance Snyder's okay, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I think once Jack Kent Cook took over the team, their their one owner was, you know, you're right. They were the yeah. last team to integrate too. You are yeah. right. They, they, yeah, that's yeah, they're bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, there's the uncovering. You know, looking back at NFL history and the kind of like the dirty part of it, you see a lot of Washington stuff going in there. Right. And it's, and it's kind of aggravating. <laughs> yeah. The people were like, yeah, okay, let's, let's hop aboard this. And they were like, nope, no, nah, we're good. We're just going to keep on doing it the way. <laughs> uh, those damn commanders. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but all right. So I think that's this episode. That is the end of USFL month. Mm-hmm. Um, next month. It's like, well, next month's big major holiday. There's Mother's Day, of course, but uh, there's also Memorial Day. And we kind of want to remember players who went too soon, whether it be, you know, players who retired, players who passed away way too early, um, you know, in the prime or the middle of their careers. A lot of, you know, there's a lot of potential people uh, that we could talk about for this uh, for this month's theme. But, uh, well, as we have been doing lately and, you know, much to my delight, we, you know, we're going to open up with a nice discussion episode, kind of talk about everything, players that went away too soon, that called it, you know, called it quits, couldn't just, just couldn't do anymore or um, legitimately uh, something happened, you know, the, the Sean Taylors of the world and so many more. Uh, we're going to talk about those, those, those people, those lives uh, for our month of May episode. So uh, stay tuned with us. All right. You all have a great weekend. I know I will be. I'll be with some of the guys out in Canton going to visit the Pro Football Hall of Fame. My God, I can't wait. But uh, that is it. Andrew, great job in this episode as always, my man. And that is a wrap on behalf of Andrew and I. Till next time, the two-point conversation is good.